I was so scared that if I told people that I had weight loss surgery, they would think that I wasn't a competent coach because I should have everything mastered in my life. You're listening to Short Black with me, Sandra Sully. Good women, great chat. Joining me today at Short Black is a mindset expert, a success coach and a soulful entrepreneur. Rhiannon Ward, welcome to Short Black. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's great to be here. Rhi, you're in the business of transforming lives. Now, that's a big statement. How do you do it? It is. And you know what? It's such a journey, this transformation that I've been through in my life over the last 10 years and last five in particular. It really is about helping people, women in particular, come back to who they are at the core, which we often forget along the road. Why do you think women need so much help? I don't know that women need any more help than men, but they're really on my heart because we're given very much a role in society. There's a lot of standards around what women should do, what they shouldn't do, their place in the world. And I want to shake that up a little bit. We're starting to see that shift, but there's a lot more work to do. So what's brought you to this juncture in your life where all of a sudden you had this epiphany clearly where you've decided that it's kind of your calling? I realised that there had to be more to life than what I was doing. I was running the corporate rat race, as I call it. I was in tech and other companies for 12 years as a senior executive assistant. And I really felt that I wasn't tapping into my own potential and that something had to change because I believe we're given one opportunity here. It's time to go for it. And I realised I wasn't really doing that. So I had a moment of, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? And it was actually during the pandemic when everything kicked off. And I'd kind of loved this journey of personal development for so long before that. But it wasn't until that moment when I thought, gosh, I don't know how long I'm here for. I don't know how long I have, how long anyone has. Am I going to do this thing or not? Because I've been playing it safe for a very long time. So you're chasing your dreams. What sort of women come to you asking for help? It's quite a diverse customer base that I've got, actually. But most women come to me when they're feeling stuck. It starts with, I don't know what I'm meant to be doing with my life. I've been in this job or I've been in this industry for a really long time. I like it, but I don't know that it's what I'm meant to be doing. They're chasing this elusive purpose that we like to be looking for. And so they come to me when they're wanting clarity and to really start to build confidence in themselves. Now, I've worked with clients as young as early 20s through to late 50s. What sort of conundrums do they present? I mean, yes, they're trying to find their purpose, but where are they at specifically? They're not just stuck. They can't, what, get clarity in their direction? Exactly. They don't have clarity. And the best way I can describe it is they feel very lacklustre. Nothing in life is exciting them. How do you unpack that? How do you get to the root of the problem? I start to peel back their belief system and go back to who they were as a child. Because often we lose our essence as we grow up. We go through the school system, we watch our parents, we watch other people around us, and we pick up things that aren't necessarily our own beliefs, the way that we behave, and we lose who we are. So it starts by actually going back to the core. And I like to say that coaching is a journey of remembrance. It's not about becoming a new person. It's not about becoming a different person. It's about becoming who we were always meant to be. So you've just described yourself as a coach. What's the difference between a coach and a mentor? It's interesting, actually. I get this question a lot, and I would say I'm both a coach and a mentor. But a coach for me is someone who can help facilitate a transformation, whether or not they've been through that particular journey themselves or not. 
Whereas in my mind, a mentor has definitely walked the path that you want to head on. So I have mentors within my business who have done what I want to do. And I also mentor some of my clients with their businesses who want to now create what I've created. So that's the difference that I see. You also describe yourself as a business coach. What experience do you have in business to be able to impart that knowledge to help them find success financially? Yeah, it's a great question. I was very, very fortunate to work with some incredible CEOs in my career. I worked most recently for the founders at Canva. I worked with the senior leadership team at Atlassian. I worked with Frank Lowy and Stephen Lowy over at Westfield. And I really learned a lot being in that position, seeing all the goings on behind the scenes. Crystallise that for me. What does that look and feel like? What does that sound like? Key tips that gave them the edge that you can now impart to others. It's interesting because I don't know that what they did in business is what I share with my clients. I've actually learned a little bit of what not to do as well. So the way that I coach my clients is very much those who want to start a service-based business, who want to become a coach. And the experience I leverage to do that is my experience in building my own practice. Because I saw a lot of things in corporate that didn't necessarily serve a solo entrepreneur or an entrepreneur just starting out. I saw the end of the journey, not the end of the journey, but a very advanced stage of the journey. So a lot of your clientele are self-employed? A lot of them are actually people that are in corporate that want to be self-employed. And so I coach them through that transition. So we build a side hustle that they love, that they are really passionate about, that lights their soul on fire. We build it to a stage where it's so financially secure and stable that they can then leave their corporate job. So when it comes to doing that, you have to have pretty good business sense, business savvy. What are the stumbling blocks in those early days of setting up your own business? What do you need to know? Give me the five top tips. Oh, five top tips. I'm really bad at keeping track of those. So let's see how we go. So I think the first one is being bold and brave enough to actually go for it and having the faith in yourself. That is the biggest thing that I see. The second thing is striving for perfection because it really doesn't exist. And I actually call myself a recovering perfectionist because when I was in corporate in this senior EA role, everything had to be perfect all the time. Had to let that go in order to become an entrepreneur. I think that waiting until things are ready, like you feel like they're really ready before you hit launch is also another stumbling block. And that's what I see. And really just having the wherewithal to go for it. What about business tools? So To be financially successful, you've got to have your accounts in order. You need to make sure you've got an ABN. Do you counsel people about the fundamentals of setting up your own business? I do actually. I have a program which I run people through. It's a group program and it goes through all of that. I preface it by saying I'm not an accountant. I'm not a financial advisor. Please go seek your own advice. But I have a checklist that everyone runs through in relation to insurance and getting an ABN and having all the right things in place in terms of their banking. Again, I can't advise them on that, but I can lead them in the right direction. When you talk about your client base, how big is it? What's the demand like for you and, and what you offer? Gosh, I actually haven't done the numbers, but I know at one point I'd, I was working with clients from like eight different countries at once, which was incredible. I've worked with 30 different clients privately since I quit my corporate job in July last year, which is amazing. And I'm now running group programs. So I've probably served upwards of 100 clients in the last 12 months. Isn't it fascinating? Because of COVID, I suspect we're now looking so much further afield. And given all the new IT platforms are instantly global, we're all so connected. Our village is really the world. You're getting global interest. Mm. Actually, I have more clients overseas than I do in Australia, which baffles me. I'm not really sure how that happened. But I guess that is the power of social media and connectivity. 
you are quoted as saying, my superpower is helping professionals, executives and leaders unlock their mission and purpose to create an extraordinary, impactful life. Very few people I come across declare that they have a superpower. Where does that come from within you? I think we all have a superpower. And that is part of my work is helping others identify what that is for them. I noticed that even in my time as an executive assistant, although I wasn't officially a coach, I was still unofficially coaching my executives on those same things, helping them figure out what is your zone of genius so that you can then focus on that while the rest of the team takes care of everything else. I wonder if a lot of people who would love the idea of having a side hustle and can't actually see it manifesting itself into a reality, it's the naysayers around them that often hold them back. Is that what you find? Yeah, absolutely. It is well-meaning friends and family who don't see it being possible for themselves saying, I don't think you can do it, or maybe you should just stick with what you know. But the beauty of a side hustle is that you can kind of hedge your bets. You can still work really hard in your corporate job, but take a step back and also build something on the side. So it's not saying you need to go and quit your job straight away. That can come in time. Another big aspect of what you do is the podcast world, which is clearly what we're doing today. Why do you think podcasts are so important and a part of the success story? I've run my podcast now for almost four months. And honestly, selfishly, it's a lot for me. (laughs) So I love talking to people and it's a great excuse to do so. But also I get messages every week from people in my community saying, I loved that conversation. They get to learn from others. It's a way for me to continue to provide more value, which is everything I'm about as a business owner and an entrepreneur. Most people in my world will never, ever work with me in a paid capacity. And that's okay because I'm here to make a change and an impact whether or not I'm paid or not. And so podcasting is a way to give back. It's a way for me to connect with others in the space. It's a way to build longevity and authority in my industry. What's your podcast called? Tea with Ray. (laughs) It's pretty simple. Yeah, but maybe that's why it's so catchy. When you talk about financial success, I was fascinated to see that you quite openly put out how much you were earning each month. Any deliberations before doing that? Because not many people are prepared to say $7,000 a month, I'm up to 15. Why did you do that? I definitely, firstly, had deliberations. I definitely did. Money is still somewhat of a dirty subject for a lot of people. Money is a dirty word for a lot of people. But I knew that in order to inspire and liberate others and to elevate others, I needed to be transparent. And so I share a lot of things on my social media that most people wouldn't share. It's scary doing that. It really is. I'm very vulnerable and I'm very open, but I get such incredible feedback. I build great rapport with people and it inspires them and opens up a conversation that wouldn't have existed had I not shared it. I think often the common thread through any authentic relationship is actually being brave enough to show your vulnerabilities. And uh, if you're going to open up and dig deep and, and chase your dreams, you've actually got to be prepared to fail and be prepared to be extremely vulnerable. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I wrote a post a while ago because I see a lot in this space. I see a lot of vulnerability that's actually very curated imperfection. And that's not 
serving the community. So I like to share the good and the bad, the things that scare me and the things that I'm really proud of, because I think that's such a key piece of the conversation. Now, I'm not sure if you want to talk about this, but you recently had some pretty, pretty major surgery. Do you want to tell us about that? I'm happy to. I had weight loss surgery, bariatric surgery. And this is one of those posts you mentioned before being vulnerable that I wasn't sure if I wanted to share with my community. I'm so scared that if I told people that I had weight loss surgery, they would think that I wasn't a competent coach because I should have everything mastered in my life. And the reality is none of us do. But that's a decision that I did not take lightly. I grew up with body dysmorphia and all these body confidence issues, even when I was really thin. And it's been such a journey healing from that. And the last piece of the puzzle was allowing my body to catch up to my mind and my heart and my soul. And so I said, you know what, it's okay to surrender and ask for help. It's okay to want help and to go for that. And so that's what I did. And I was very open about it. The response to that was just absolutely tremendous. It makes me emotional just thinking about it. It was so full of love and it was just so beautiful. The hardest thing, I suspect, is actually asking for help and then being confident that you've made the right choice. You're confident you've made the right choice for you? Yeah, absolutely. So what was that journey like? How do you reach that decision and, and what's the process of the surgery? How do you recover from something like that? Yeah, it's been quite an extensive recovery, but also not as bad as I thought. It kind of been a thought in my mind, but I was resistant to it because I felt like I was admitting defeat. I felt like if I do that, it means I'm a failure. And we all know that that's not the case. Everyone requires help and support in some way, shape or form in their life. So I wanted to lead by example. The process leading up to it meant a very special diet, like eating not much food and like shakes. And this is the problem, right? You're addicted. We're all addicted to food and all that sort of thing. So that was a very trying time. And then I was in hospital for a couple of nights. The pain was tremendous. But coming out, there's all these different phases of diet and what you can eat. And I've only just moved on to like solid food. So I can eat everything now, but in very small portions. So for how long were you not on solid foods? Six weeks. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah, two weeks prior to surgery and four weeks post-surgery. You must have been craving something. I was. What were you craving? I wanted anything, but it's interesting. What I was craving was like tuna salad <laughs> and chicken salad and eggs. It's all the healthy things, which was really great. But um, when as soon as I could have a crusket, I, I was like crusket with tuna. That was the best thing ever. Post-surgery, is it just a matter of just filling up a lot quicker than you ever remember and all of a sudden you're just not hungry or all of a sudden you're just full? It's kind of a bit of both. I've definitely had to learn how my new stomach responds. So for those not familiar with bariatric surgery, I had a vertical sleeve gastrectomy, which is where they remove 80% of your stomach. It's pretty major. So I do get full a lot more quickly, but that signal, because our mind's not full, looks like you might get the hiccups or you might get you know, you might get a runny nose, which is so bizarre. And so I've learned to really go, oh, okay, I'm getting full now. So your body sends unusual signals that you can't always read at first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you overeat when you've had bariatric surgery, it's very, very painful. Luckily, I haven't done that yet. I've been on the cautious side, but I know a lot of people have uh, ended up in a lot of pain. <laughs> that doesn't bear thinking about. Um, so how are the results? I mean, you look great. How has that manifested itself? I mean, how many Ks have you lost? Just feel lighter, happier? 
I do. Overall, I feel amazing. There was a period in healing when um, I was really tired and low on energy, which is very normal body healing from a major surgery. All our energy is going into that particular part of the body being my stomach. But I've lost 22 kilos, which is incredible wow. and something that I hadn't been able to do on my own. It keeps going down, but honestly, I've kind of forgotten about it. Like I'm aware of it when I eat, but it's just not a factor in my life anymore. I care way less about food and I'm much more focused on the things that I enjoy. I wonder if it's because perhaps you've dealt with that problem. I suspect it could be because had I had weight loss surgery several years ago before I'd been through this healing journey for myself, I would have just gone straight back to eating all the wrong things because although you can't eat very much, you can still, you know, drink your calories and consume a ton of wine <laughs> and thick shakes and all that good stuff. No, really? <laughs> I've never heard that before. I can't believe you're telling me that. I've just got a new way to look at my weekend. <laughs> And what about your family and your own support group? Were they supportive of you at the time or did you have a few that said, oh, I'm not sure? Look, they were mostly very, very supportive, especially my immediate family and close friend circle. There's always a couple that are like, well, have you thought through all the options? But I was so set in my decision that it didn't phase me. Okay. I find the coaching world and the mentoring world fascinating and exhausting in the same breath. A lot of people find it daunting or alienating when they see the words empower, coach, mentor, inspire, be a leader. A lot of people don't really want to be out in front. They're quite happy leading a good life, not an ordinary life. I find it alienating when I see the word ordinary because I don't think anyone's ordinary. Mm, very interesting. I resonate with that. There was actually a really long time, and this is part of my resistance to getting into the coaching space, where I didn't want to brand myself that because there's also a stigma. And I'd had a really bad experience in the coaching industry many, many years ago with someone that runs a coaching school that was really quite unethical. And I wanted to get a fa as far away from that as I could. And I felt like that was representative of the industry as a whole. So I think we've got to label ourselves at some point so that people know what we're doing, but it can be, it, it can be intimidating for sure. Do you have any moments where you pinch yourself and say, am I really a coach? Do I have superpowers? All the time. <laughs> but if you don't say it and you don't own it, I guess you can't be it. Exactly, exactly. And when I have those moments, I go back to the incredible success that I've seen in my clients. I have had clients come to me in absolute tears because, and they say this to me, it's not true. They say, you changed my life. The reality is they changed their life. They did the work. They were the ones that were willing to see things differently and to let things go and to decide to believe something different for themselves. I just facilitated that journey. But that, those are the moments that I go back to when I'm feeling like I have imposter syndrome majorly. Everyone does, right? I guess we all need someone not just to vent to, but someone to listen to us and help us dig ourselves out of that hole. And we all find that hole. We're all there at different times in our life. Exactly. All of us. And honestly, sometimes I sit on the phone with my clients and they're talking, they're venting, they're letting things off with me and they will come to their own resolution before I even get a word in. But that's the whole point. Like I will guide them if I need to. The truth is given space, we can usually figure things out. Rhiannon Ward, I think there's plenty of good tips in there today for those that are considering branching out, working for themselves or perhaps just chasing their dreams. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here at Short Black. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's a pleasure.
You have been listening to Short Black, a 10 News First podcast for 10 Speaks. To make sure you don't miss any of our great chats, subscribe in your favourite podcast app.